Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Buckeye Weekly Podcast. I am Tony Gerderman here, as always, with Tom or Tom. How's it going? Kevin. Noon. Kevin. Yeah. Noon. Tom is no out more today. And I don't know what he's doing, but he's not here. You're stuck with me. A rare PM edition of the show, of the live show. Normally, I'm too busy drinking beers or something, but uh, you, you caught you me. You, you got me here, not watching the Browns-Jets game with nobody that we know of playing. So uh, no better time than now to sit here and talk a little... Ohio State football expansion, whatever. A uh, lot of lot of questions already in the queue, or at least comments. I haven't even made it through the list. There's there's a lot. People are having conversations with themselves, with each other. I don't know. Yeah, please feel free to throw your questions out to us. Uh, today was the first day of fall camp for the Buckeyes. We got to watch the entire practice, along with about 500 paying fans who uh, paid 30 bucks to to watch it as well. So. Plenty to see, uh, plenty to talk about. And, of course, who knows what's going to break on re- on expansion while we're doing the show. So 
we'll have to uh, be monitoring that as well. I am watching. I have the Browns game on right now, so I'll let you know if anything exciting happens. Uh, it won't, so don't worry about that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers may be playing for the Jets. Garrett Wilson may be playing. I don't know. I'm already tired of Aaron Rodgers personally, but let's talk about Ohio State, if that's okay, Kevin. And I guess I will start with, uh, you know, we, we can go back and forth about what we saw or what stood stood out. The first thing that stood out to me was seeing the first three safeties of Jihad Carter, Lathan Ransom, and Sonny Styles, and then trying to figure out who exactly was where between Jihad Carter and Sonny Styles, because it was not easy to figure everything out with the the split fields they had going on and the way they were subbing and things like that. But right now it is Jihad Carter as the free safety, the deep safety, which Jim Knowles said he is going to be a deep safety. Lathan Ransom still at his strong safety spot. And little old Sonny Styles, all six foot four and 230 pounds of him, as the nickel back, quote unquote nickel back. I, I still I have trouble calling him that because he's there's nothing nickel about him, you know. Uh so I think that for me is probably what stood out with the secondary, just getting that first glimpse. And we know Sonny Styles is gonna do some of that nickel, some of that sand, but to see him out there with the ones. I think it made uh, a lot of people reading about the reports, uh, reading the practice reports happy. And it's something that I think a lot of people have been clamoring for. I would just caution people. You, we don't know how, how this is going to go yet because he, if he is still out there, he's going to have to defend some of these five foot, 980 pound four or five receivers and good luck to him. Yeah, um, I take everything that I see from today's practice with a huge grain of salt because there were 500 paying fans there. And um, while even once you open up to the media and we're all going to we're all going to say what we've seen, coaches are a very weird lot, and they're going to pretty much assume that um, just because people are out there that whatever they show is, is canon. And that's, you know, that, this is practice one there, you know, there are no pads. I mean, NC2A, you know, mandated, you know, how, how you have to put these things through or whatever. But I was very interested in seeing, seeing the defensive backfield as well. My eye was really kind of drawn to offensive line because that's the biggest question mm-hmm. that I've, I've had all along, but, uh, yeah, and then and then obviously Jim Knowles had the opportunity to talk a little bit about the secondary when he was asked, and uh, you know that full interviews here at uh, YouTube.com/slash Buckeye Huddle. But uh, a lot of names, and uh, it's going to be interesting how they're rotated uh, for you know in in terms of situations. And uh, thanks to the Joshua D23 for his super chat. If I see a question follow up on there, I will punch that through. The the quote from Jim Knowles was, don't assume anything about Sonny Styles," Because we we're talking to him afterwards like, well, you know, we kind of thought he would just be the big nickel and the Sam and, you know, not necessarily the full-time nickel. And he said, don't assume anything. And that's why I asked him, uh, you know, Cam Martinez didn't seem to be going full. I wasn't full go today from what I saw. And so I, I asked him, was Sonny out there so much because Cam Martinez wasn't out there as much? And he said, no, Sonny was out there because that's who he went out there. So. I think uh, that was uh, incredibly interesting. Let's take this question from the Joshua D23. Scale of 1 to 10, how bad are things at defensive end recruiting and is moving on from Larry Johnson finally something more than crazy message board fodder? Kevin? 
Oh, thanks for throwing that one right at me. Um, you put it up there. Well, well, be- Joshua D twenty three paid for the right, so I, I mean, I had to, I had, you know, I had to do it. Um, I think that you know, defensive end recruiting. I mean, if we look at like the finish of last year, I mean, it really kind of finished on a on a low note when you weren't able to get any of the three that looked like you I mean it looked like oh how are they going to get all three in and then it was like well they'll get two out of three well at least they'll get one and then they didn't get any and then of course people are concerned over the fact that Marquise Lightfoot committed to Miami you have some other things trending I mean I think let ask that question in a couple weeks do they land Edric Houston I think if they land Edric Houston and they're still going to keep recruiting Marquise Lightfoot, who I know he's saying all the right things in terms of Miami, but I'm not necessarily sold that a Chicago kid is going to end up at Miami when it's all said and done, especially with the season I think Miami's probably going to have. I mean, you know, seven and five, maybe eight and four. Um what what is the ACC going to look like moving forward? Where is Miami going to be? And I don't think that necessarily a kid is thinking that big picture at all times. But I mean, I think all of that's valid. But to to Joshua D twenty three's second point, I mean, Larry's not going to be able to coach forever. But you know, we've been saying, oh, you know, he could be on his last contract, and he only signs one year deals generally. He could be on his last contract for years now, and he's still. He's still there. So I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I I think that, I think that he's closer to the end of his, of, of his coaching run now than he was before. Uh, but, you know, that's just, you know, looking at a, I watch enough back to the future to know kind of how the time graph works there. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I see him at Ohio state in a couple years, but I don't, I don't know if I necessarily see him out retiring in 24 either i think that part of it is because everybody wants to sit there and move a coach on but they're recruiting is a relationship business and if you have to go out of house and say you get a randall joiner or somebody like that they still have to kind of get you know reacclimated into the system and everything else so it's not like it's not like it's a an immediate fix there are very few immediate fix recruiters out there well the the question then is how long do you let it go on and is it better to rip the Band-Aid off now? And so I think there's some of that in there. I, I think things will feel a lot better if Edric Houston commits to Ohio State. And uh, But at this point, can you have confidence that he will? They've led for a bunch of other defensive ends. I think they still probably lead. They still lead for Edric Houston. But you got to put the finishing touches on that. I do think uh, whenever somebody commits to Miami, like my theory is nobody commits to Miami for football reasons. And so when you consider what's going on there and with their their benefactor, John Ruiz, who knows what the situation is with that. So I, I feel like Marquise Lightfoot is at this point better than a 50-50 shot to end up in, in the Ohio State class. So we'll see there. Did you have I was I was I was talking and not reading the questions. Was no, there anything was we needed to touch, follow, touch I mean, on? Just kind of some follow-ups. There was a follow-up from Mika Hanna about yeah. where do you go next? Missing on Dylan Stewart. I hope we flip some recruits after a great season. I mean, obviously Marquise Lightfoot is kind of in that mix. I think Edric Houston is certainly the most obvious name of where they, you know, where they are. Uh you don't necessarily 
suddenly get involved with somebody. I mean, you know, there might be guys that they had recruited before and you have an opportunity, maybe a, maybe a coaching change happens there. Maybe a position coach moves on. You don't know. I mean, the good news is that we're still sitting here in August and there's a lot, there's a lot of time and they're going to be players who blow up from their junior season to their senior season. And there'll be guys that, that emerge guys that maybe were considered three-star types that, you know, when you look at the first three or four game tapes of theirs, it's like, wow, that, that kid can play. I think that kid can play in the system. And of course, the the late offer makes it look like, oh, well, that's just a plan B or a plan C, but that's not always going to be the case. But we're just so used to recruiting being buttoned up early that, you know, there's just kind of a little bit of a of a negative connotation with a uh, September or October offer. With the – they're recruiting Dylan Stewart to play the Jack position. And – I think we will eventually see Arvell Reese there. I expect Arvell Reese to redshirt this year. He can only play so many linebackers. He's a big kid. He's already you know, like 6'4", 230, just like Sonny Styles. But um, I think you redshirt him this year, and he can then start to – you can maybe even start doing it this year. But it's kind of the same timeline you would have with Dylan Stewart in terms of, well, he, he'll be he'll be on campus next year learning the, the position, but you might actually be ahead of the game if our, if they do move Arvell Reese there. But, you know, it's it's also a position that may only play 35% of the time, something like that. So if you're going to miss on a five-star, but uh, you shouldn't, I'm not recommending you miss on five stars, but it's a role that they're, they should be okay at for the next few years, I think. And that's including what CJ Hicks does there, you know, this year and maybe next. Uh, well, you know, Steel Chambers is he a is he a is this his fifth year now, fourth or fifth I, year? I, I think so. He's been he's been here a while, yeah. So, um, obviously, once Steel Chambers is gone, then that's that's going to be CJ Hicks's job. But uh, I think they've got enough. We'll see. They they're really really high on Mitchell Melton. I expect Mitchell Melton to be here this year and next year, and to you know kind of be able to overcome this this loss of uh dylan stewart well and i think something too as i kind of get away from the chat for a second to get into this topic a little bit more i'm not going to be surprised to see ohio state bring in a russian type after this season out of the portal i think mm -hmm. that if you sit there and you lose to a Moloow, if you lose sawyer if you lose a couple of guys like that I think that even even if you were recruiting really well and bringing in all these, you know, first year players, I think you still want to be able to go and get yourself somebody who has a little bit of seasoning, who has done this, who is a little bit more physically developed as you bring along your young guys. So I know that when the transfer portal first kind of started under its current iteration, under its current name. People saw it as, oh, maybe you go there and you get one player or two players, especially somewhere that you that you missed. I think that uh, the portal recruiting is much more of a yearly thing now. I I can't even find the eloquent words for it, but you look at what Ohio State. Yeah, it's a constant. I mean. They, they go and they get Jahad Carter. They go and they get Vic Cutler. They go, they get – I'm still going to keep calling him Josh Simmons. I mean, I guess he's going oh, by 
Hey, Jimmy, is that, I mean, sl- slipping Jimmy, slipping, slipping Jimmy Simmons. Is that what we're going to call him? Uh, you know, they go and get Davidson. Igbenosin. I mean, I don't know if I'm, I mean, I, I don't want to yes. be like one of our friends who has never gotten certain names right. And we laugh about it to his face. So, I mean, it's not like we're hiding behind uh, his, uh, his back with that, but I think that that's going to be something. And people of course will see the negative side of it and say, well, Ohio state has to go to the portal because they just can't, they can't recruit guys out of high school. Well, I think a lot of things too will be predicated once, once the defense gets humming, which, you know, let's be honest, everybody's going to point to the shortcomings of last year of the big plays that were given up and everything else. But the defense made some major strides. And I think the defense is going to make some more major strides this year. Is it going to be a top, 10 defense if it is we're talking about a really special season but um you know i think that you need to kind of show you need to show that you're capable of doing certain things and everything else and ohio state has not necessarily had the kind of success it did with bosa bosa young in terms of defensive ends getting home i think that ohio state in terms of wide receiver under brian hartline can just go and walk in somewhere and just say you know, look at the look at the list. Look at what we've done, and they get instant credibility. Does Ohio State have that instant credibility? I mean, we're certainly far enough away where the kids at Ohio State's recruiting don't remember Joey Bosa, the college player. You know, we're talking we're talking about 15, 16, 17 year old kids. I know that it's not like Joey Bosa was like 30 years ago. It may feel like 30 years ago, but it's 10 you know, years ago. It was 10 years ago. I mean, these kids were pretty young at that point. So, you know, they're going to remember Nick maybe a little. They're certainly going to remember Chase, but, you know, there's something to be said about that. And I don't even think you should be shooting for Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa. Ohio State hasn't had a Tyquan Lewis or Sam Hubbard since Tyquan Lewis and Sam Hubbard. And Tyquan Lewis was a what, like a high three-star. Sam Hubbard was a linebacker slash tight end before he was a defensive end. Like, they developed these guys into really good players. Tyquan Lewis is the Big Ten Defensive Lineman of the Year. They haven't been able to do that, and they've had much better, you know, some really good recruiting. Tyreek Smith was a borderline five-star. He's like the number 35 player in the nation. Obviously, Zach Harrison, and they haven't been developing or they haven't been getting the production, and I know they play offenses that try to get the ball, rid of the ball quickly because of the, the Ohio State pass rush that is so feared. But when when you're topping out at four and a half or five sacks as your your leading sacker, as a defensive end, that's not enough. And it, it, it's the recruiting has been fine at defensive end, you you think, but the production hasn't been there. And so now, if the production has been lacking, is it because the development has been lacking? And now, when you start to see the recruiting lacking, do you assume that the development is going to pick up? I don't think you can. So I think it you almost have a downturn of both things, both recruiting and development at the same time. And, and it's bad timing. Well, and I think part of the issue too, I mean, and we're going to, we're going to cheer up the, the, the tone of the show here in a minute, I promise since, you know, we're, but there's some very valid questions and points that are being asked right now. You have Zach Harrison, who's supposed to be the next big thing. And there are just these lofty expectations about what the next big thing is going to be. Jack Sawyer was supposed to be the next big thing. He was supposed to be the third Bosa brother. And you have these 
unrealistic expectations to kind of live up to? And do these kids press because as much as they say, oh, we just shut, we shut out all the outside noise. We don't listen to any of that. Do they press that much more because they hear it and they look and they see what their numbers are and they know they're half a second away from closing out on a lot of other plays and they don't get there. I mean, are we seeing kind of a bit of a, you know, a self-fulfilling prophecy? Yeah. Where you you can't possibly live up to it. And I I know for a fact that, you know, players say the outside noise, like they look at that because I mean, look at Travion Henderson and, and all of his coaches who, talk about all of the negativity that Trevion Henderson received and how much, how focused he is and how ready he is to like prove people wrong this year. Like you can't get away from it to get away from it. You would have to be like basically probably like Tommy Eichenberg. And I don't even, I think he has a rotary phone. Like he might carry it around. Like I don't even know if that dude is on social media and I don't think he looks at anything. He may not even own a television. That's kind of what you have to do. You have to basically be living in a, a shack out in the middle of the woods to avoid being reached by negativity on social media. So that is a lot to live up to the Joshua D 23 with following up uh, Tom and Devin talked about the changes OSU needs to make in a defensive scheme and teams like Georgia and, and the Ravens use their defensive line differently than, than OSU. How much of that is Larry Johnson? I think most of that is Larry Johnson and, and everybody tries to work around him because, you know, he wants to do the four down, so they do that. Uh, Jim Knowles can do some three down, can do you know, can do four down, and so they they work with that and what they've got, and you try to marry it all together. And it worked an awful lot last year, and and then it didn't work badly several times, and it was those times that really killed them. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Super yeah, chat from Omar Austin. Uh, so, uh, oh, so this is a, so you prefer Omar of the Hill people over Hunglo, Kevin. I'm a little hurt. Uh, Omar posted a poll on the Buckeye Huddle message board asking about changing his handle. I voted for Omar of the Hill people. Did you not vote? And did, uh, no, did I, you vote? I, I voted for Omar of the Hill people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't 
I, I at no point did I sit there and tell Omar that he should change it from Hunglo. I mean, I, you know, if he does change the name and I even know what the name is, it may take me about a year to figure it out because, you know, Hunglo has been part of communities that I've been involved with for a really long time. So I'm not, you know, I, when people start changing names, that's when I start getting confused. Um, so, you know, what, whichever name it is, just make sure I know who you are, Omar, because you're good people. But um, either way, I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, um, I want to just I wanted, go ahead. Go ahead. Just don't be a stranger. I wanted to jump in because I've had a couple of people asking specific name about specific names. Uh, Mika, I think, was asking about Joshua Mickens. Um, I'm going to kind of explain how practice went today for those of you who have not been to one or, you know, even if you watch like yearly when Big Ten Network does its bus tour and it goes out and does fall camps and you're getting an edited down version. We get there and then we stood around for a while waiting for the players to come out. Then the specialists come out. They trickle out one by one. So we now have pictures of John Furlman and everything else in our in our admin now because I got all that taken care of. Uh, and then people start, you know, trickling out a little bit more and a little bit more. And they're like, oh, they're all going to come out between field one and field two. And then all the defensive linemen come out another door. So we don't, you know, I don't get to, to, to nail pictures of them as they're coming out. They're off on the, like a little bit out of our range. Uh, we're getting a roster where we're learning numbers. Uh, so it, it's hard to do an individual evaluation on everybody based on where they're put on the field, based on what they're doing. The defensive line was off kind of working with itself while seven-on-seven seven was going on. So in short, no, I don't. I really don't know if I ever lied, laid eyes on Joshua Mickens, to be honest. Um, I would have to go and look at a roster and see what number he is and kind of try and go back and remember. But you know, there's a lot to take in. And unfortunately, we only get to witness one other practice, and that'll be on the 11th. But hopefully by then, we're all up to snuff a little bit more, and then we're able to kind of pick some things out there. But, you know, that's kind of how that works. Yeah, I, I jotted a bunch of numbers down because today we also found out about some number changes, which is kind of jarring as well. And so, yeah, I'm just wrote, I, I wrote um, Joshua Wickens is, is number 52, and, and I found him on the, one of the third units, basically, as I'm jotting these numbers down. So, but actually, he's probably more towards the, the fourth unit because they have, you know, four defensive ends that they're going to use or more than that that they're going to use because Mitchell Melton was in there as well. Um, so, and again, they, they have so much depth right now that they're running two two fields at a time in terms of they've got two defenses, one defense on the um, like the first and the third team defense were on the left side on on field one, and the second and the fourth offensive defense were on field two, and they're they're running the same scripts for both fields, and you know you're you're looking back and forth, and you miss stuff, and you watch stuff, and yeah, so Josh Mickens, who knows at this point? It was interesting to watch Taiwan Malone work with the two or move all the way up to the ones at three tech uh, after Tyleek Williams went down with a little bit of a knee. Uh, early in practice, but uh, I think Tyler Quinn should be fine. He was walking around, jogging around afterwards, but he didn't. He wasn't back involved in any of the eleven on eleven on eleven. And then before we get to Omar's uh, follow up super chat, and it was like even we had things thrown at us during the middle of the event, like we were told, "Oh, by the way, Nigel Glover's wearing thirty seven in white," mm -hmm. and. 
fortunately, I did take a picture of him when he was coming out. I, I mean, I again, you don't know who you're shooting at first, and so it's just a lot going on. Uh, Tywon Malone certainly looked very impressive. I'm going to jump here to something Larry had, uh, and then I'll get back to Omar's thing. Uh, heard Simmons jumped off sides a couple of times, which led to catching the ire of the coaches. Um, if that happened, I was probably looking at the other line when that happened. So that's not something that I processed. And we had three people there. It was, it was Tony, myself and Mark Gibbler. Um, yeah, it's going to be something he's going to have to work on. Uh, I'm sure he had all sorts of juice going on, was really excited. First opportunity with his new team to go, get out there. And, you know, maybe he was a little overeager in his in his uh, get off and everything else. And, and it'll get corrected. I promise you, it'll, it'll get corrected. He was with the third team offensive line, so I was not paying too much attention to the third team offensive line other than writing down who it was. Omar Austin, does the defense play it safe more this season? No more eight in the box on third on third and 11? Well, I think that you certainly learned some valuable lessons last year about, um, you know, trying to go nuts with the cover, cover zero and everything else. I think that if you're not constantly learning and evolving and everything else, that's a, that's a problem. But, you know, in the conversations I've had with Jim Knowles since, you know, He's been here. I think that he's somebody, I mean, he's the guy that's going through plays constantly and tweaking things. And as he's more comfortable with his personnel is going to probably be more comfortable in some of the things that he puts them, uh, you know, the positions that he puts them in. But I think that it's, he's heard for an entire off season from fans. And, uh, you know, and I put that in, in, in air quotes that he effed it all up by some of these calls. I mean, he wasn't the guy that slipped and fell on this play or whatever, but he certainly went for broke a little bit more. So I, th I think there is maybe a little bit more play it safe. I mean, obviously they have an offense, even without CJ Stroud, even without three of its starting linemen from last year, that should still put up a lot of points at, at, at some points you need to just have faith that your offense is going to be able to continue scoring points and uh, you know, kind of go from there. Yeah, I wrote about it yesterday or the day before about how you gotta remember he came from Oklahoma State, from Duke, from these places where you had to create on defense. Like you've got to get creative and find ways to gain an advantage, and that's what he was hired to do. That's what he was hired for his aggression, and so you you use that at Ohio State, and sometimes it it works most the vast majority of the time it actually worked. And I know a lot of Buckeye fans don't want to agree with me on that, but it worked an awful lot. The thing is, it also didn't work too much. And I think what you learn is you don't need to do that. You can allow the defensive line to, to work and then you can drop back a little bit. You don't have to be Iowa. Although I don't, I honestly don't think that would be a, a bad plan of attack at Ohio state. You know, Jim Haycock did plenty of uh, bend, but don't break. And, and it, and it worked out pretty, pretty well. Uh, Mitchell Mullins, let's see if Buckeye Huddle reads this. What can our recruiting class be for the 2024 class and maybe beyond? Um, you know, I think this is, I mean, they're number two in the nation, according to a lot of the national recruiting networks. I think their average star rating is either one or two uh, nationally. I, You know, let's see what kind of happens once Alabama truly turns it on and, and loads its class up. But 
Now, there's still a lot of big names out there that Ohio State is going after. I mean, obviously, the Buckeyes just picked up uh, Aaron Scott, so that certainly helps the cause. But you still have K.J. Bolden. You still have Edric Houston. Uh, you know, there's still Jeremiah McClellan. Um, you know, what you know what what does the rest of the defensive line look like in terms of its recruiting? Uh, there's, there's a, I mean, Ohio state is pursuing a Miami committed receiver is potentially a fourth receiver, the kid out of St. Thomas Aquinas. There is still a lot that can be there, but you know, I, I guess with what can our recruiting class be for 2024? Are we talking based on its national ranking? Are we talking about who the kids are going to be? Because at the end of the day, I think the thing is, is you have to fill your needs. You could sit, I mean, Ohio State could probably go out and have a really sick statistic class if it just took eight receivers. I think that, you know, and I'm and I'm saying that a little tongue-in-cheek, but I think that Ohio State certainly could cook the books in terms of its numbers if it just said, well, to hell with our needs. We're just going to go out there and try and mathematically put our best class together. Um I look at a class once it's signed, did you check off all the boxes? And right now the boxes that need to kind of be checked off always need to sit there and kind of have an idea of, I think the offensive line so far is pretty good with the Armstrong twins and Mark Mm -hmm. Nave and Ian Moore, but you know, there's still more that can be done there. No pun intended. I think that, uh, you know, we've talked about edge. I think that's important. I'd really like to see another defensive tackle in there, like a three tech to go along with Justin Scott. I think that's really important. I think they've they've locked up the corner with Scott and with West and with Lockhart. I think that's really important there. What do they do at safety? Uh, they have a couple of linebackers with Peyton Pierce and with um, Garrett Stover. So they're checking off a lot of the needs, and ultimately that's what matters at the end of the day. If, as long as you're not looking in February after the February signing period, it's like this class would have been great if they would have had two more running backs or whatever you have to, you have to make sure that you get there. And that's why I worked for a recruiting service for a long time. And I learned, I learned during that time that I had to sit there and kind of protect, protect the family, you know, the family business and not talk bad about rankings and everything else. And now Mm -hmm. that I work for an independent operation and I'm not, you know, I'm not beholden to all that. I, you know, I kind of talk out of both sides of my mouth, but I think that the most important thing at the end of the day is that you, you fulfill the needs that you have more so than going for, you know, best on the board with like, like you might in the uh, NFL. I do wonder how bad the panic would be right now if there was no Justin Scott, because you, you miss out on Jaden Jackson, a defensive tackle. And really Justin Scott is, is what you're, what you're left with at this point. And you, you need to close the rest of the defensive line. I'm with you at safety. They obviously need more than just Jalen McLean, and they'll get there. But I think what this class may end up being remembered for is by many initially is the guys who got away. And then you've got to, you know, we'll see who, see who you develop. But, you know, I think there's a lot of that where you, when you're, when you're flying so high, and when you have a top five class, you're going to miss on some five stars. And for a lot of people, it's the misses that they focus on. And, you know, it, it's those are tough losses because I think a lot of people feel like you you were the favorite. And so what happened? Why didn't you close? And then you look at the reasons why they didn't close. And you're like, well, is it because you don't you have you have a linebacker coach that can't travel recruit, you know, can't travel to recruit and they have to come to him? Does does that help? And 
you know, with Kingston Villiamu Asa, I don't know that James Laurinaitis being able to train to travel would have trumped a Bible passage. So I don't know that that really would have helped him there. But you're you're kind of tying your hands behind your back when you're not. And Jim Knowles is fantastic defensive coordinator. He's proven that over his career. Not the best recruiter because he's really never had the opportunity to recruit at a place like Ohio State. So he's still kind of learning that the results aren't there. So when uh, you're, you're one of your better recruiters, James Laurinaitis, can't travel. One of your recruiters that can is your special teams coordinator. You know, you're you're putting yourself in a tough situation. You've got to hit a lot of home runs, and you've got to nail all these visits. And when you don't, you you look at the whys, and it's like, well, what, what if what if James Laurinaitis was full time, and you know, who's committing to the special teams coordinator? That sort of thing. Well, let me even throw this, and I think I talked about it maybe on a solo show of mine. I don't know. Maybe I talked about it on a show with you. I it all runs together after a while. Does Ohio State? need to push for the commitment more on the visit there is a there is an upside and there is a downside to it the way i see it and steven i'll get to your question larry i have one in the queue from you and we will get to expansion talk and some other things here in the show but you know the point i'm making is ohio state comes out of these visits this overwhelming favorite with these kids and I know that at various times there's been the, you know, we don't want you to, you know, we're not going to put your feet to the fire at this moment, you know, think it through. But, you know, once you think it through, we know that you're, you, you're going to realize Ohio State is the right pick. And then you have a KVA go and go on a spirit journey or whatever and change his mind the week before or, you know, the, with Dylan Stewart where it felt like Ohio State certainly was in the lead until it wasn't in the lead do they do you need to press harder or are you getting yourself into a position of where you'd be getting a lot of soft commits that okay you pressured them into it and in two months they might come off the high and 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 and, and feel differently yeah i think pressuring somebody into it you still have to recruit them like they're uncommitted i think i would agree with odysseus 2002 that uh, Ohio State casts too small of a net, a defensive line. But, you know, Kevin, what they say, you shoot for the moon, and if you miss, you still land among the three stars. And so I think that's uh, maybe what uh, – there's something to that effect. But yeah, I would agree. They, they, could, they could cast a wider net. And uh, I don't need to hear that one again. <laughs> You've never heard that, shoot for the moon, and if you miss, you land among the stars? No, the three stars. I've heard the other one. No, I think you shoot for the stars and you – land on the moon or whatever i don't know i mean i know that we just had a uh what was it it was the sturgeon moon. yeah the super moon the sturgeon moon there are two super moons here in the month of august and the first one is the super moon or is the sturgeon moon and then the other one is going to be a blue moon because it'll be the second one but it's also got another name i don't know i i haven't looked at an old farmer's weather almanac and 30 years. So I, I don't know how any of that works. Um, Stephen Cherry, CJ Hicks and Sonny Styles should both be starting enough of the seniority crap. I, oh, who are you, who are you I, taking off the field to put CJ Hicks out there? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think the, the only complaint people have about steel chambers is that he's not CJ Hicks and that's not enough of a reason to, to move him. And 
CJ Hicks didn't play any snaps on defense last year. So I don't understand why people think he is now the better option. He has no experience playing defense for the Buckeyes other than in practice. That being said, he'll be out there. Don't worry. He's going to play a lot. And I asked Steel Chambers today, I said, uh, can can the four of you, meaning Steel, Tommy Eichenberg, Cody Simon, and CJ Hicks coexist together? And he said, I'll do whatever the coaches, whatever the coach tells me to do. I'm like, does that include maybe sitting and on the standing on the sideline for a few snaps while CJ Hicks plays? And he's like, I'll do whatever the coach, whatever coach wants me to do. And I think at that point, I may have annoyed him with that question. And so I didn't really get much else out of him the rest of the time. And uh, if you annoy Steel Chambers, you're really doing something because that guy's pretty uh, easy go lucky, lucky go easy. How's that? Whatever. He's he's easy going, happy go lucky. Um, but I, I you can't you're not going to take him Steel Chambers off the field too much. But Jim Knowles also said they're going to find ways. His job is to find ways to get C.J. Hicks on the field. So. You know, it's, it's a very good problem to have, and it, it kind of uh, requires some creativity on the part of Jim Knowles, and not creative in a dangerous way, but creative in, I think, a fun way for Buckeye fans. Right, and and uh, Stephen Cherry followed up by saying Chambers at that point, and I'll get to the Sonny Styles half of the comment. We're going to see plenty of Sonny Styles. I mean, I don't think anybody should care who's starting. That doesn't yeah. mean anything. That's one of 65 defensive plays. I mean, with the new clock rules, we'll see how many offensive and defensive plays that you're really getting in a game and everything else. It doesn't, who's whoever's starting you, you know, you're not getting the big piece of chicken because you're starting over somebody else. I mean, it's just, it's just the first play and it's going to deal with the look your opponent gives you and everything else. We're going to see a substantial amount of sunny styles this year. Um, unless they're absolutely lying to us, which, you know, yeah, sure. Coaches sometimes are not very forthcoming, but even with that being said, I don't think that there is any opportunity of where Sonny Styles, especially after what he showed in the, against 12 personnel of Georgia, what he's able to do. I mean, he's going to play, so it's not going to be a seniority thing or anything because if it were a seniority thing, I mean, Court Williams would be out there all the time. Josh Proctor would be out there all the time. Guys like that that have been in this you know program for a really long time. So I understand the frustration, and you know I'm not dismissing the comment because I hear it a lot. Stephen Cherry is not the first person to say this, um, and I know that it's not necessarily what people want to hear. It's like, oh, be patient. It's coming. Their time is coming. But you know that's kind of the best answer that I've got right now. Well, and the seniority aspect of it, I mean, the two of the top three, two of the top three safeties today were Jihad Carter and Sonny Styles. And Jihad Carter has been here since uh, what January. And Sonny Styles is, you know, obviously a true sophomore. And there's sixth year senior Josh Proctor and fourth year junior Ken Martinez, who are right now backups. And so I think I think they're you can't afford any longer and not that they were doing this before, but you can't afford not to play the best players because of what has happened in the back end of their defense. So I don't think they're going to rely on the oldest players. They need the best players because if you, they, they've lost national championships because of what's going on in the back end. And 
it's not you, you can't do that anymore like you, you, you're, you're playing your best players and if, if you lose it it's because you lost with your best players larry saying we did pick up a kicker from australia last week crikey they did they did pro yeah. australia once again pays off for ohio state um that seems like you know it, it is a million miles away um i don't really know a lot of details about the guy but he's gonna be coming in i guess as a walk-on at first and figure it out from there but uh you know that is a that is you know you don't think about specialists until they screw up so you know you gotta have the specialists and then jordan kapler here um would you guys ever consider doing a sunday call-in show i could possibly help facilitate that Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know, uh, first, Steve and Sherry, uh, thank you for that question. If we're getting a little, you know, aggressive, just know it. my anger is normally aimed towards Tom. And so if I take it out on somebody else, I apologize. Tom is not here. So somebody's going to bear the brunt of that. But thank you for the question. And it's a topic that we will talk about every single week because everybody's clamoring to see these guys for, for good reason. Jordan Kapler would, would you guys ever consider doing a Sunday call and show my two busiest days of the week during the season are Saturdays and Sundays. And half the time we're not even home on Sundays because we're traveling. So I, I don't even know how that would actually work. I think it's a great idea and that we might have something in the works in terms of Sunday stuff, but Sundays are just hard. I mean, coming back traveling and uh, you know like maybe a sunday night thing but the last thing kevin that i want to do after driving back from wisconsin or rutgers on a sunday is get home eat dinner and then jump on a live show no no offense to anybody but you know i've we gotta have lives too yeah (laughs) i was gonna say i've got work to do that's what you're saying i know but you know i get it and the thing too is that you need like you need a call screener and everything else. I mean, like on my audio board, I could bring in calls or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, you know, I see some upside because then you can kind of have a little bit more back and mm-hmm. forth because of it being a call more so than the chat than the chats. And we try to get in mm-hmm. what we can put into 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 the chat. But uh, but I agree with Tony. Sundays are very difficult. Just to add to it. I have a side hustle that I do on Sundays yeah. when I'm not traveling and everything else. And that's, you know, sometimes that drags into the night because I'm doing stuff affiliated with the Browns. So it would be difficult. And I think, and I think Jordan is just throwing a day out there. I don't mm-hmm. want to speak for Jordan because he'll just tell me I'm stupid or something, but um, I think it's something that I would like to do at, at some point. I think we're, we're, we're progressing with what the technology is and what we're able to do but i know that a a call-in show can be a little bit more difficult and i think that you know i've I've got some work around as i'm playing with a pen here uh i i've got some workarounds to maybe take some of the complications out of it but let's just get the first post game show done this year before i start really thinking about uh uh about making making things more complicated well as jordan said i just want to call in and tell kevin how terrible he is so 
Um, we could do this on the road in the car. We could do a call-in show from the car, traveling back from, you know, Nebraska or wherever. I, you know, Kevin, maybe Tuesday nights because eventually the uh, the CFP vote show that we do Tuesdays is ends up being like an hour and a half or two hour live show. Um, maybe we start that at the beginning of the season and just make it a call-in show and then go from there. As as, I, as we talk about you know, behind the scenes stuff in front of everybody. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that one out. Um, I've added it to my list of unfulfilled projects, which <laughs> is monumental. Um, Add it to your list of no's. Well, no, I never said that. I don't I never said that to my definite maybes. Um, let me get, jump into some of our, our pinned things that are starred things. Um, a lot of questions about where things are for mm-hmm. conference expansion. Uh, Joshua D asking Oregon, Washington, will they be in for 2024? We got Larry saying, do we really want Stanford and Cal? Uh, we got Stephen Cherry asking Florida State. So I, I put all three of those up there because I think as we move the show on to talking about expansion a little bit, all of those are going to be very valid um, questions to be asking. Now, what I understand is Arizona's Board of Regents, and that's more than just University of Arizona. This is like Arizona, Arizona State, and Northern Arizona, who is not necessarily in the mix for what we're talking about here, but they have they have representation there too, are supposed to be having a meeting at 9 o'clock Eastern time. And a lot of people seem to believe that that is the precursor this is going to be the decision to leave to go to the big 12 for arizona and arizona state now there's a lot of confusion out there because the big 12 came out and said we have room for one more probably we'd like to go to 14 but oh i only want a small piece of cake i don't need a large piece of cake and then you get the large piece of cake and you eat the whole damn thing and you you want more um they could maybe get to 16 by taking the corner schools. They already have Colorado, but Arizona, Arizona state and Utah. But if Arizona and Arizona state leave, that opens up the door for the big 10 to take Oregon and Washington. Now the big 10 has been like, we don't want to be the conference to kill the PAC 12. Well, guess what? When you took USC and UCLA, who I understand approached you, but you agreed. It's you've already made it happen. I mean, it's already on life support. Colorado has made it even worse. So Oregon and Washington are kind of sitting there. Washington's board of regents has a call at midnight at nine Pacific, 9 PM Pacific of where it's going to talk some things through. I think that we're going to see I think we're going to see the Big 12 come to a head in the next 24 hours and I think that the Big 10 is going to come to a head next week. I'll get into Cal and Stanford and Florida State in a minute but I I've talked for too long. I want to let Tony jump in with his insights. I think Washington and Oregon are in the Big 10 next year. Am I crazy? Yeah. I I I think at this point, um, 
right now they just have to decide in terms of Washington and Oregon, are we okay taking 60 million from the big 10 instead of 90 million? And the answer is yes, you are. Because if you want to hold out, big 10 doesn't need you. Big 10 can use you for a price. They don't need you. They, they secured a $1 billion television deal without you. And so exactly be with a billion as they say. Uh, So they don't, they don't need Oregon. They don't need Washington. And really, USC and UCLA probably don't want you there. They don't have any say. They don't have any power or any sway. But I think it, I think that's going to happen. And um, we'll get you can get into the Cal and and Stanford thing if they have to come along as well. I I still think Southeast is the way to go after going with Washington and Oregon, but. At this point, nothing is happening with the ACC in terms of actually doing something. They're just talking and they're trying to, I think they're trying to get ESPN to rip up this contract. And, you know, we're going to threaten, we're all miserable. And ESPN's like, I don't care. Be miserable. You know, contract is a contract. So I'll be interested to see if ESPN eventually acts there. If everybody is so miserable, they're like, fine, you babies. We'll rip this contract up, but um, I I don't know how quickly that moves. Maybe maybe next year they start doing something with it, but I do think Washington and Oregon are in the Big Ten next year. I put up this comment by by Market X because I agree with it like wholeheartedly. Stanford and Cal Berkeley will show if the schools are making the decisions or if the TV networks are. The schools definitely want them, but the TV mm-hmm. people don't see the value. Absolutely, the academic types are salivating over the idea of Stanford and Cal and what it means. And I saw like a post somewhere, I don't have it in front of me right now, of if they brought in the four, if the Big Ten brought in the four Pac-12 schools or whatever, like total like research funding, whatever, Mm -hmm. would be like $24.2 billion. And like the next closest conference comes in slightly under $8 billion. So... There, you know, there is probably a passion play there for the academic types. Because remember, presidents and chancellors vote on this. ADs don't vote on this. Head coaches don't vote on this. This is this is done at, you know, the top line. Um, but there probably is, I mean, well, there's it's no, no probably about it. There is no value whatsoever really for Cal and, and Stanford in terms of enriching the television contract that's just two more mouths to feed even if you bring them in at 50 percent um you're still having to give out if you bring in four teams at 50 percent, you're giving out two more full shares Mm -hmm. and there's not that money in there now if you do bring in two or you do bring in four pac-12 west coast teams you can bolster that 10 30 slot you can even bolster some stuff in terms of what your inventory would be at the seven o'clock window, the seven, seven thirty window, you know, I think that NBC would be excited about that because I mean, let's be real. There's going to be some games that are going to be on that NBC rotation that are not exactly great. And if you Purdue in Maryland, yeah, if you have, if you have more inventory out there and that's not to say Washington and Oregon is necessarily going to be the team, the game that's going to save everything, but you put, you know, you put Michigan state against Washington, you put, you know, Maryland against Oregon or something. I think that's going to be a lot more compelling than Purdue, Maryland. Uh, so 
you know, there's something to be said there. And I, I've been going through and I've spent a lot of time over the last couple of days talking to people about expansion and everything else. And the latest set of numbers are people are saying the low 20s. That's where the Pac-12 deal is. All streaming with some elevators in there if you hit certain numbers. And, um, well, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not bullish on their chances of being able to do that. If, if Ted Lasso can't sell subscriptions, I don't think that... Uh, Pac-12 is going to sell subscriptions to Apple TV Plus, and this is even an additional charge on top of Apple TV. I think you, I think the way that the MLS package is, I think it's like eighty if you belong to Apple TV, and it's a hundred if you don't. But I think Apple TV is like ten bucks a month. So you know, I, I mean, it's I don't know why you don't do that, but uh, Cal and Stanford do add the San Francisco market, but let me be clear on this. This is a very different expansion than expansions past. This is not about AAU. This is not about TV households. This is straight up imperialism. This is straight up trying to build your conference as much as you can and to get, you know, addition by subtraction. If you can take one or two conferences off the table, that means more access in the postseason after 26, because there's only two years in place the way that this new deal is under under the six conference champions and how everything else works, and then the tweaking comes in. I think that there is a lot of value to me as a conf- if I'm a conference president to to take three million dollars less a year because you're having to sit there and spread some stuff out and to exploit weakness in other conferences. I think you add four teams that also brings ESPN back to the table because now you're going to need more TV time slots and and maybe another TV partner. So you'd have basically all of the networks showing your conference and doing it throughout the day. And I still think the, the, the image that I have or the, the the thing that I see is you've got your, 10 a.m. pregame show on Fox, probably eventually going to go to 9 a.m. like game day, but 10 a.m., then you've got your 12 p.m. game, then you've got your 3.30 p.m. game, then you've got your 7.30 p.m. game. Eventually, you're going to have your 10.30 p.m. game, and it's and it's then is there a postgame show after that? So you're going to have basically 10 a.m. to 2 or 3 a.m. where you can just leave it on Big Ten football. Now, you're going to have to change channels, but national television – for an entire day and into the night. And I still think that you can, I think the 1030 slot has value in the college football world because it's, it's a nightcap. It's a place to rest your eyes. It's like, there are not a lot of people that watch the late night TV shows and there's even fewer now, but you know, Jay Leno, Conan O'Brien making like $40 million a year and they're not getting ton of, a ton of ratings, but you, there's certain eyeballs that you want. You you kind of just want to like big big noon kickoff. Own that noon, that 12 p.m. slot. Go own the 10:30 slot. And it, so what if Ohio State has to play at Cal at 10:30 night? Everybody's gonna have to make a sat a sacrifice while you're making a hundred million dollars a year. Right, exactly. And I think that one of the things too is that you know you talk about maybe. ABC ESPN and it would have to be ESPN because you've gone to your late local news by that point mm-hmm. getting involved or, you know, do you sit there and have a case of where, you know, you have more, you know, FS1 is going to have to have, you know, has a game at 1030 and, you know, maybe 
maybe you have one on Peacock or whatever. I mean, and I know that everybody wants to avoid streaming like the plague. I, I, I get that. As somebody who has almost every streaming service of the major ones, I don't get Peacock. I think that's the only one that I don't get right now. Um, yeah, it all adds up after a while, but it's you know it's kind of where where you are, and I think that it I think that there would be a lot more benefit there, and I think that m some money would be shaken free. I have read that Fox is a little hesitant to pony up more money, which you know I don't don't necessarily agree with them but i'm not a i'm not a cfo or anything like that hell i can barely balance my checkbook so um i'm the wrong person to talk to about money but uh i think that there, i think there's a lot more that can be there and it would e either be pretty close to break even or you would only be giving back a little bit and remember you're getting back to the negotiating table in five to six years on a seven-year deal or whatever and with all this additional inventory and if you bring in Stanford, does and I'm using this as a segue to one thing that we have not talked about in the questions, but I've seen in the chat. What does this mean about Notre Dame? And I think that if you get Stanford, you've taken another traditional partner of Notre Dame and somebody that Notre Dame looks in the mirror and thinks that they're Stanford, you know, in terms of academics and everything else. And I'm not going to let I'm not going to turn this into an hour of me bashing Notre Dame. I'll do that on another show. Um, I think that that's important. I think that I think that the Big Ten, if they need to make one final pitch to Notre Dame, it doesn't have to be today. It doesn't have to be tomorrow. It doesn't have to be in six months. But you got one more chance, one more chance, or I'm or we're gone. And we're not going to schedule you. We're not going to give you any sort of footprint in this region. And you're done. And if the Big mm -hmm. Ten has usc oh wait it does if the big 10 has stanford it does under this scenario you just start going through the list have fun playing in the craptacular acc which by the way may not be there and that'll be the next thing we get into yeah um i'm just i saw a comment about notre dame and i was thinking like so what happens when the big 10 goes to 20 and they're set we're like we're good and then notre dame's like okay well we'd like in and so how do you go with like now you're at 21 can you can you well, they've done odd before we know that but like notre dame would be like um the person who you uh, like invite out and they don't want to come out so you've you've got you know you got five people in the car and like okay we'd like to go now and it's like we, we don't have room for you and we, we can't fit you into this car and they're like no 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 let's you know let's try to try to work it out so now you you know what you got three people in the front seat uh so is is that enough if notre dame wanted to get in to destabilize the acc and then do you go partner them with whomever, North Carolina, Florida State? You know, the the idea, the, you mentioned the imperialism earlier. Like, you can do the same thing by freezing out Notre Dame opponents. No Michigan, no Michigan State, no Purdue, no USC, no Stanford. There are things that you can do to maybe force their hand, but and it's – I think we'll also know more once this NBC deal with Notre Dame gets signed. Cause if they get their 50 or if they get their 75 million, I don't think they care, but if they get, they, know, you know, they better not get 50. I mean, they, if, I mean, hell the PAC, the PAC 12 can't get 25 million per program on linear on, on, on broadcast TV. I think Notre Dame is going to be in for a rude awakening that, if it thinks it's getting 75 
and people are like, well, what about 50? I'm like, oh, I think 50 is way too much, but you, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I know that the current deal is nowhere near 50 and I've gone around like uh, with people on social about this. People, people think that Notre Dame still gets big ratings. It doesn't. Ohio state Notre Dame was huge. It was, it was 10.7 million viewers. Uh, Notre Dame USC was pretty decent but it was still like a three and a half rating point which is not fantastic and you know the person i was talking with and you know debating we'll call it that um was like yeah well it was against you know it was against all these other you know big games well that's they're not they're not a ton of just exclusive windows you're gonna have to compete against other games and if you're a real hammer out there it shouldn't be an issue it shouldn't be an issue because you're a hammer Ohio State, Michigan, both draw huge ratings on on their own. Alabama draws huge ratings. Notre Dame was like sixth or something, which again in 130 programs, that's you know you're in the the upper 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 upper. But why why do you think you're going to get 50 million, 75 million dollars a year as a standalone deal? I don't I I don't see it and. Pete Thamel of uh, ESPN was saying that uh, all of this Big Ten expansion talk wasn't going to really take Notre Dame away from its uh, its goal of trying to re-up its own television deal. What you have to do is you have to, I mean, it's like you have to starve the oxygen out to put the fire out. And that's what the Big Ten is going to need to do if it has any desire there. I understand Notre Dame is going to move the needle in terms of what the network see in terms of as an additional piece. But at some point you, you've got to live your life. You just can't, you can't keep carrying a torch for that girl who, who keeps telling you, no, 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 no. I mean, you're going to be old and gray and, and nobody's going to want you at that point. I mean, if, uh, if you just keep waiting. All right. Well, I don't know. Worked out for Forrest Gump. No comment. No comment because we have an inside joke on that one. I'm not going to get into that one. Um, yeah, but Jenny was all Jenny was passed around the block a couple times too by the time he got her. So um, I I don't think that's a good way to go. And let's get into some. I think what Stephen Cherry asked about Florida State. That's the most interesting part of this to me. Florida State's like. Damn it, we're leaving the ACC. But they don't have a plan. And if they have one, we haven't heard it yet. And there are certainly people out there that are like, well, they, Big Ten has already told them they could come. Have they? I, I don't think they have. Um, and there are a lot of people, too, that are trying to sit there and put Clemson in the same argument. And... We haven't really heard anything from Clemson. I know people at Clemson. I know that Clemson wants out of the ACC in terms of Clemson wants more money. Mm-hmm. I think that if you went through and talked to all of the AD, ADs in the ACC, they all want more money. I think some of them are more realistic about the chances of getting them, and some of them are just happy to be there. Um, but I, I'm less confident in what the ACC plan is, what Florida State's plan is to get out of this. I still think that I still think Florida State is a better fit for the SEC as as is Clemson. 
And people are like, well, what are you saying that is bad academics? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm implying that. Um, <laughs> I would never I, say it. I, I never say that. But um, I think that Georgia Tech is something that makes more sense for the Big Ten, getting the getting the Atlanta market. I think UNC has always been high on their list of getting in there. You get Charlotte, you get Raleigh, Durham. I mean, you get your TV markets there for that. Um, I've heard UVA mentioned UVA offers nothing athletically at this point, boring basketball. Um, that is kind of it and really bad football. But again, if you're going to make a play at a Cal and Stanford, UVA has got fantastic, fantastic academics. So there's something there, but how does that all work out? But to Steven's point, I'm, you know, I'm still a little skeptical on how this Florida state thing is going to be there, but I've talked to people around Florida state who are like, Florida State's trying to use the Big Ten as leverage, and if if all the bluffs are called, you could have Florida State in the Big Ten. I'm like, well, I don't know about that. Florida State, because I watched the Board of Trustees meeting last night on YouTube, and it's fascinating because every single member of the, the, the board, all of the trustees, the AD, the president, were all on board like, this isn't going to work for us. And sure, they'd love to stay in the ACC, but they can't stay with this sort of contract. And you talking about Florida State, it kind of reminds me of like every kid who ever gets mad at their parents when they're like six years old and they start to pack a suitcase, like I'm running away. And they get like halfway down the block and they eventually come home. Like that's Florida State right now. They're running away. They've packed up their bags and they're like, tomorrow they're going to, they're going to maybe turn the corner on the block and they're going to go to the next block over. But, I mean, it is interesting to hear the uh, – was it on War Chant where one of the, the trustee members saying that the grant of rights, don't even concern yourself with it. We, we've we've looked it over. It's not even a worry. And so I don't know how, but, I mean, these are also all millionaires who can basically – they can do whatever they want through lawyers and they'll get whatever they need. And I think they may just – that's what they think they can do with everything. And I don't know that they can necessarily do that with other billionaires and other millionaires who are like, you're not going anywhere. We're locked in. We we're, 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 we're settled with this, but they were to a, to a man, to a woman, they, they want out of that deal. And if it's the big 10 that can save them, they'll go do it. I think it's just a matter of, will the big 10 take them? And, I, and I'm with you. The AAU has always been this, well, they're, they're not an AAU member, so the Big Ten's not going to take them. That was never the case for, for Notre Dame. They would have taken them before Notre Dame was an AAU member. At this point, you're just building um, gigantic monoliths, basically, and you want the biggest buildings and the biggest um, conference you can get, so you'll do what you have to. And then all of these schools are watching all of this going on, and it, it's like – if we don't move, we may not survive. And when we say survive, we mean we mean thrive. We because you can survive. The Mountain West survives. The AAC survives. The Sun Belt. All of these conferences survive, but they know their place. There's going to be some reckoning with Oregon State, Washington State. I saw Washington State's head coach today saying this is terrible for college football. This isn't what college football is supposed to be. There's going to be a lot of programs that have been part of Power 5 programs who are going to have to, I think, they're going to be humbled a little bit 
because they're no longer going to have that access and that avenue, but they'll still have they'll still have the opportunity to make the playoffs. So I think you can still exist and you can still thrive in your own way. You just have to kind of downsize, I think, a little bit because you're not going to be getting the money that you're you're used to and that you've been spending for the last 20 years. Well, I mean, you it's it's one of these things that if you're going the same speed and everybody else speeds up, you're losing ground. So why nobody in the ACC has anybody to blame but the, but themselves for signing a 5000 year deal for little money and maybe the money was good at the time but were you that short sighted to not think that money was going you know things were going to get more expensive and dollar figures were going to go up and why you would sign a 20 year deal i mean that was stupid i mean that was just plain dumb and in a lot of ways i kind of of well you get what you deserve and because Nobody held a gun to your head to, to make you sign that. I mean, obviously, it would have created some issues and, you know, what happens there. I mean, if somebody wanted to have me sign a deal and say that I'm going to make $35 million a year for the next 20 years, I'm going to sign it. But I'm an individual. Um, I can live modestly if I need to. But um, no, I don't know. Can't. Why, no, I can't. I, I need cameras and microphones and stuff like that. Um but I don't know why a school would, would sign that, would willingly sign that. And I'm going to jump back to the Pac-12 and something that I'd read. And I, I hate that I'm not giving attribution to who I'm reading reports from, but there's so much information mm -hmm. out there. This is not me trying to omit who's writing these things. This is me just not remembering stuff. But I think it was, I think it was Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports said that Things had changed in like the span of four hours at Arizona State before like this meeting was called or whatever that like at one point during the day, like today, they were totally fine with this Apple deal and everything else. And within the span of four hours, they were part of, you know, of this meeting that's going to be happening here in 21 minutes or whatever is when it when it'll be called and they'll go into executive session, which is behind closed doors. Um, it's it's crazy how all of that's happening. But, you know, to your point about the Wazoo coach coming out and saying this is bad for college football. Well, you know, I'll use a saying that I've used for a long time. It sucks to suck. I mean, you know, it, you know, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, I thought I was going to go to Pepperdine for college. I would have had no football to root for there. I mean, but I would have gone in with open eyes and realized what was happening. You know, you go and you're the head coach at Washington state you're probably not going to be in the mix all that often unless, you know, Ryan Leaf shows up and before he kind of has his meltdowns. Well, every coach that goes to Washington State, they aren't looking at that as a lifetime job. That's a stepping stone. And so just as the coaches are looking to move on to a bigger thing, so, it, so are the programs in the Pac-12 who don't want to be left behind and want to go on and be part of a bigger thing. I do think there's a, a school of thought with Oregon and Washington to stay behind and be enjoy being the big man on campus in the Pac-12. But you can you enjoy it if you're only making $20, $25 million a year? And even if you want to say – well, we want the ACC's deal where um, the teams that win the conference get more. You know, okay, so now here, here's $25 million 
are you happy? No, you're not going to be happy. But can you parlay that into playoffs and uh, that sort of thing and just be kind of like UNLV back in the 80s and 90s in the Big West? You know, the Big West wasn't any good, but UNLV was fantastic and everybody knew them. Is that is that enough? Gonzaga, you know, basketball, and maybe this only works in basketball. Uh, but can you can you exist that way and live that way? And one of the interesting things from the Florida State Board of Trustees meeting was saying that you know they had the donors provided you know like seventy million dollars in the pa- in the past twelve months, and so like you can make ends meet with your donors, but it's a lot easier if you don't have to. Well, and I'm making sure that I had my mic on after I drank some water. Um, there's a finite amount of money that's going to be given. And if you're splitting money that's going to the athletic department or money that's going to NIL, that's just, I mean, it's like my wife works in nonprofits. And a lot of times at nonprofits she's been at, they get grants. Well, grants aren't always going to be renewed every year, no matter how good you're doing. So if you start to get to the point of where you're living for that grant money, you're in trouble because you might not get that grant money. So if you're having to sit there and do GoFundMes and everything else and have a bake sale and selling lemon squares to keep the lights on in your athletic department, you're screwed because you don't know if that's going to be there. And that's the biggest thing about, you know, these deals that the Big Ten and the SEC have and these known dollars and everything else that's there. So I don't know. I want to get to Mitchell's comment here. Why is Indy so coveted? And that's just kind of, you know, I'm that's the only part I'm going to take of that. Notre Dame, historically, they, you know, they were the first program with a national radio deal. They, you know, obviously had all of their successes, you know, with, you know, Newt Rockney and everything else. And obviously it had success up through Lou Holtz and everything. But um, I don't see Notre Dame being a fraction of what it used to be back in the day because every game can be seen one way or another, whether it's on ESPN three or something like that. So there's, there's no, there's no situation of where it's like, well, if you come here to Notre Dame, your parents will be able to see every game. Well, you could go to Cal Lutheran and everybody can go see your games. If you know, as long as you're motivated, motivated enough to try and find it. So I don't, you know, I don't know what it is now i will i will say that by saying i'm very excited to go and cover this game this year at notre Mm -hmm. dame i've been to south bend i've not covered a game in 94 95 i i went to the the game at the shoe but i didn't go to the game up in south bend because of just i wasn't able to go i poor i couldn't afford it I, i i do have a level of excitement just respecting college football history but the reality is, is we're going to be seeing the new polls coming out here in the next couple of weeks for the preseason coaches and AP polls. And we know Notre Dame's going to be overrated in the first rankings because that's what happens. They're going to be grossly overrated by about 10 spots. And it is what it is. And, you know, the only difference this year than last year is that Notre Dame's going to have three games prior to playing Ohio State to see if things even out or if they, you know, if they run the first three games, then it'll be a, you know, a battle of, top five teams probably, and it'll have all the pomp and circumstance. But I don't necessarily see Notre Dame as being, they're certainly not a current blue blood. You know, historically, they're absolutely a blue blood, just based on what their history is. But 
you know, since since Lou Holtz, they're just they're just a guy. I mean, that's all they are. They're just a guy. Well, and, you know, they've made the playoffs. They've played for national championships. They didn't play well. We know that. Um, so they've been close, but they've been close in getting there. They have not been close in winning it, kind of like Michigan. You're close in getting there, but you have not been close to winning anything uh, nationally. Um, with, with Notre Dame, what's how, how many years has it that, like, every Big Ten t- – game has been nationally televised it's almost 20 years now because you know with like the reverse mirror of the abc and espn2 when they signed that deal like everything has been uh nationally broadcast so like you can watch whatever big 10 game you want unless you don't have cbs sports network on the random days that they're playing an aac team or when ohio state was playing navy or something like that although i think that may have been on cbs but the the ability to find every Big Ten game, it's that's what Notre Dame, that was their thing. You know, it's always going to be on NBC, and if it's not on NBC because it's a road game, everybody else is going to be clamoring for it. Now they're just, you know, do they clamor for it? I don't think they clamor, and uh, you know, there's only a couple of programs that get clamored for Kevin. Notre Dame is, I think, a program where, yeah, we'll take it. We'll be happy to take it, and we'll do something with it. And it's probably better than having Ole Miss, Kentucky, for sure. But you know, the ratings are, you know, they what they are. And uh, but it's still college football is still about tradition. And so there's always going to be until it's no longer about tradition, which is maybe about seven years away. Notre Dame is part of that tradition, and. Army and Navy are part of that tradition. Army and Navy don't com- don't contend for national championships, but it's part of what I think is still great about college football. Notre Dame is part of that as well. And so there's, uh, and I think maybe it's more heart than head in terms of why there is still this allure of it. Harvard and Yale is fantastic. I mean, it's one double A football, and you know they're not playing for one double A or FCS championships, but, I mean, there's tradition there, too. I want to get to a Pete Thamel tweet from a couple minutes ago. Sources, Arizona's in deep discussions with the Big 12 about joining the league. Some finality is expected in the near future as there's an Arizona Board of Regents meeting scheduled for later tonight. So we already we already kind of knew this, but Pete is very dialed in. I mean, you know, I got to know Pete when he was at Yahoo, and I was working indirectly for Yahoo, and... He knows his stuff. So the fact that he's putting stuff out there, I don't think that there's going to be any issue of coming out of tonight's meeting of where Arizona is going to have cold feet. Now, I think the question is, if you know Colorado's gone and if Arizona leaves, is that going to be enough for the Big Ten to come in and apply its finishing move? on on the conference i mean is that going is that going to be enough or does it need it does it need to see arizona state leave too does it need to see utah leave i mean i think right there we're kind of on the line of 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 what what the big tens tolerance is of there and i want to get a, a super chat up from treasure but you know my question still stands and we'll get to, to treasure the torah's uh uh comment what was the question i was looking at the Oh, I was talking about the finishing move. I mean, if Arizona, oh, yeah. that's yeah. 
because uh, I want to know what the Big Ten's finishing move is. Is it is it the with it's Stone Cold Stunner? It's, it's the sixteen knuckle shuffle. Because like the original move was like the, the Ric Flair uppercut to the groin. That was USC and UCLA. And then maybe maybe this is the figure four. So maybe the Big Ten, one of the dirtiest players in the game, they are Ric Flair. But uh, super chat from Treasure the Tour. Thank you very much. What's up, Kevin and Tony G? Just showing some love to my Buckeye, Buckeye brothers. Stay blessed, family. Thank you very much for that. Um, as always, thank you for joining us, Treasure, and we do appreciate that. Um, finish. I'm going to make like, Tony come out to dinner with us next time you're in town. I promise. I'll do that. I'll do that. Uh, maybe is it the sleeper hold is that just like the big 10 football is the sleeper hold only when paul christ was in the conference <laughs> and jim delaney oh laundry money laundry money no i think i mean i think it needs to be and i haven't watched wrestling in a in a couple years um sure. I got, I no i really haven't no mm -hmm. i i will I, I will watch Ms. and Mrs. on USA Network, and that's kind of about all I've watched here recently. Um, but I'm trying to think of one of the more, you know, maybe it's one of like out of the book of Jericho's uh, holds. Hmm. Well, yes, Armbar. But I mean, the, the point is, is that is, is one more team defecting from the Pac 12 going to be enough? We know the Big Ten is already vetted. Oregon mm -hmm. and Washington. I think the only thing there is, you know, Oregon and Washington are sitting there going, please, sir, can I have some more? And the Big Ten's just trying to make a decision at this point. I think that you got to figure out, all right, what are you willing to take 50% payout for this short contract? Which again is still going to be significantly more than than what you would get in the Pac-12, but you're also going to have to deal with people recruiting against you. It's like, ah, look at those little junior members, dorks. And, you know, you're going to have to deal with that, but I would rather deal with a little bit of schoolyard bull bullying and having 35, 40, $42 million a year versus being, you know, being Will Smith in an empty room in, in, a, in, a, in a meme with $21 million a year. Uh, I just have to pause. Murkrow is from my neck of the woods. I don't know. Uh, we may. I don't know who he is, but um, mentioning the great Wojo and Dr. Jerry Graham, that's some WWA from the 80s out of uh, Indianapolis and Toledo. And that was my jam back in the days, Saturday afternoon, WWA, Dr. Jerry Graham, Wojo, who I, uh, the great Wojo was also like a math teacher in, in, in um, Toledo, as the legend goes. Uh, some fantastic wrestling there. Bobo Brazil, Dick the Bruiser, um, El Bracero. I can go on and on. Um, uh, Calypso Jim. All of these guys, all of the legends of the WWA. Um, but uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about, for the fourth time, uh, if, um if Arizona's departure is enough for the Big Ten to come in and 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 do the the, the weak ass Hogan leg drop uh, on, <laughs> on on the, on the Pac-12, that that was a terrible finishing move. It was the worst. But remember when the DDT used to be a finishing move? Now it's not even a setup move. It's it's just the same as you know breathing. Yeah, don't get us started on the the diminishing of the DDT. We'll be here for another hour. Um. 
and I had a really good point, and then I see Toledo wrestling, and I just completely lost it. Uh, so thank you for that, Mercrow. Uh, the I, I'm the Arizona thing. I do totally expect to happen, and then at that point, like, is the Big Ten just you slip the piece of paper with the dollar figure on it to Oregon and Washington, and it doesn't even need to be a negotiation. Like, this is what we can do because. Do we, do we even know yet what the point of the number is that they can that the Big Ten can give to Oregon and Washington without anybody else losing anything without taking a haircut? Because you can't bring them in as full members. So what is that number? And Nebraska, Maryland, Rutgers, they were not brought in with full shares. USC and UCLA have been, but like Nebraska, UCLA, USC, or Nebraska – Maryland Rutgers, those guys had to wait like six, seven years to be full share members. I remember Maryland basically borrowed against their future earnings from the Big Ten to kind of make the same as everybody, but they've been having to, you know, obviously pay it back. So it's not unusual to not be a full share. I'm just wondering at what point will nobody else have to pay for? Well, the- you have to bring in that amount of money. So, I mean, if theoretically, let's what is let's- it? Let's just let's say a full share is 70 and a half shares 35. So if you bring in two teams, you have you have to find 70 more million dollars a year over what is it, a seven year deal? So you have to, I mean, you're gonna have to find four hundred million dollars, half, half a billion dollars in a seven billion, seven to eight billion dollar deal. So you know, it's nothing, it's nothing to sneeze at, but I mean, I think it I think you can get there. I mean, you're getting more inventory. I mean, you're, you'd be getting two more teams or whatever. And as Market X says, Big Ten is just pulling an NWO because it's just too sweet. Um, Super chat uh, from Jordan Kapler. What finishing move should be tried on Kevin? Here's how about, and I'm only recommending that Rikishi do this. No, no sync thing. <laughs> now, if you want, I mean, if Trish Stratus wants to do a finishing move on me or something like that, that's fine. Alexa Bliss. I mean, but she's pregnant right now, and and she's a she's an honest married woman. But no, I don't. No stink face. None of none of that stuff. That is, uh, no, 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 no. You're not motivating me to take this show past ninety minutes with that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, See some mention of Dewan Jones playing for the Browns. Good to see. I haven't seen him out there. I just I just saw the Browns punt. But I bet if I watch Cleveland's offensive snap just once. I'd be able to locate him and uh, figure out who he was. Always the um, the biggest Buckeye we've ever seen. I remember the first biggest Buckeye I ever saw was Alex Boone, like face to face, not face to face, but in the same uh, same area. He was a gigantic human, but Dewan Jones is just completely different than anybody I've ever seen. I am not watching the Browns game because I have DirecTV and WCMH is owned by Nexstar and Nexstar and DirecTV are quarreling. So no Browns game for me, but that's fine. I'm sure it will be on uh, NFL Network at like two o'clock tomorrow or something like that. So I'll find yeah, it. Totally be wor- yeah, totally be worth watching for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's nothing. Six nothing Jets uh, in the second quarter. Zach Wilson lighting it up. No, when I'm done with this show, I'm probably going to turn on Netflix and watch another episode of Quarterback. Was that good? The best part about that show is I don't have to see uh, Mahomes' dope of a brother. 
do not like that guy. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of clarity coming up here mm-hmm. in the next 24 hours, at least of what's happening with the big 12. And I think that the big 10 could, you know, I think the big 10 could have things wrapped up by Wednesday. I don't know. I mean, that feels pretty quick, but when it's just a matter of this is what we can offer you. And this is not a negotiation. I mean, this is if yay or nay, it, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really matter what, what you say. Um, you know, this is kind of like a slotted, you know, yeah. traffic. I mean, you know, you, you know, you're going to get paid this and even they have a little bit more flexibility of, you know, do you get the signing bonus all up front or however, but I mean, I think the only thing you're able to maybe negotiate is how you are going to end up dealing with, well, like scheduling with, you know, with USC and UCLA. That might be the only thing there, but you don't even have to have all of that figured out to have an agreement in principle. If the Big Ten really wanted to be like cold, would you just offer $1 more than the Apple deal? Just This is what we'll do. Take it or leave that's, it. That's a hard. That's a difficult way to get into a partnership with somebody. I know you're joking. <laughs> and I, I mean, but that's yeah. a difficult way to get into a partnership with somebody. It's like, yeah, we're gonna offer you a dollar more. Hell, we're gonna offer you a dollar less because <laughs> because because the Big Ten will still be standing in ten years, and I guarantee you, the Pac-12 will not. Yeah, I, it would be hard to. Uh, it is hard to imagine the Pac-12 standing as it is. I I saw somebody mention, do they just merge with the the Mountain West? I, Th- those programs aren't going away. You'll still be able to, they'll still be playing. It's still, but it's going to be a different level. And, you know, can they still compete? Yeah, I think so. Because it's not like Northwestern spends their money wisely. It's not like Indiana spends their money wisely. That's how you spend it. I mean, Clemson doesn't make as much as Purdue or Ohio state, but they spend it really, really well in terms of the, what their football. And a lot of these, Southern schools, a lot of the West Western schools, they don't have as many sports as they as you do in the Big Ten. You know, nobody in the South is paying for hockey, and not a lot of teams in the West are paying for hockey, and so things like that that Arizona you don't have State to. Is. Arizona State is, and that's a choice that they made because the Phoenix Coyotes need somewhere to play, and mm-hmm. but yeah. it's it's a financial decision that isn't made lightly, and so. Uh, but again, I do expect them to be in. And uh, Jason Warner saying, I believe Oregon and Washington already know what the number is. It, it'll be interesting. Um, I think that I don't know if I'll be up till midnight to watch that. I might stay up to midnight to watch it to see if they mention what the number is, to see if like that sort of thing but is talked going, about. And you I mean if it goes exec into the executive committee, isn't it like closed? I mean, I don't know if there's going to be anything to watch. I don't know how these people operate. I just know it shows there's a link on YouTube. It's like, hey, go to Starbucks. I mean, I don't know. They might go to Starbucks, have like a a a a venti soy half calf chai latte macchiato niner. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they. I I would assume like all of their meetings just take place at used record stores. You know, this is this is my Portlandia version of uh, what I imagine they are. They listen to the single soundtrack. Which is a totally underrated movie, by the way. If you've not seen Singles, it is a. It doesn't hold up great, but it's still a really good movie. I like it, and one of the last sightings of Bridget Fonda. I mean, she mm. 
she disappeared shortly after that. I mean, she was in that that na- that sing- that single white female movie. I think mm-hmm. came out after it or whatever. I mean, she was, you know, she was highly coveted by a lot of people, and then she just you know left the business or whatever. And then, like, I saw like some news story that had pictures of her and. Time, time had been a little rough on her, but you know, time, time gets to. I mean, you should have seen me back in my in my in my days in college. I was, you know, I was something to behold. <laughs> you still are. You still are. don't sell yourself short. Um, do we want to get through these starred questions, all of them? Um, I think we got through some. I mean, okay. a couple of super chats because those get put in there. Let me let me clear the ones that we've done. Um, but we got a couple here. Let me see. Here we go. Prime cheese. Where do you think, where do you guys think CJ Hart uh, Hicks will start game one? Love the show. I think he will start on special teams game one on kickoff coverage, but um, it'll be, I'm, I'm very interested to see how they use him in uh, cause we know they're going to try him at the Jack. So there'll be something for him, but will he be the second guy in after Mitchell Melton? And they're not going to start out with the Jack. It'll be, you know, it'll be Jack Sawyer and JT Tui Molawau and two defensive tackles starting the game. And the Jack will eventually come in when they want to do that. But will Mitchell Melton be that first one and then CJ Hicks be that second one? And is that second one in the second quarter? I'm really interested to see if they can work him in at linebacker. And can they find room for those three linebackers? Or will somebody be, you know, does does Tommy Eikenberg come off the field on passing downs? And you, know, you you don't want to take him off the field ever because Jim Knowles loves his anticipation. He said back in the spring, after the spring, uh, I from what I I want eleven Tommy Eikenbergs on this defense. Got eleven guys who know what they're doing and where the ball is going and what every play call means and why it's called. I asked Tommy Eikenberg today how many. I told him that story about wanting eleven Tommy Eikenbergs. I asked him how many out are out there now he said 11 uh, and that's what he said yeah uh, um but i'm really interested to see how they work cj hicks in and I, again i i will guarantee you he's not the starting wheel linebacker and if i'm wrong everybody will be thrilled with that but he is going to play they're not going to not play him because he's too good well and the thing to remember about indiana who is their opening opponent is Indiana was 111th in the nation running the ball last year. They ran the ball for 111 yards a game. And spoiler alert, they're not going to be much better at running the ball. So it is going, they're going to be going against a team that is going to go to its stronger side. And I have the numbers up in front of me. Indiana was 80, 86th, 88th. I'm having a hard time reading it. 217.4 yards per game and throwing the ball. Total offense, 109. So I think that you're going to you're going to see a case of where Indiana is probably going to be trying to spread the ball around a little bit. I don't think that they're go- it's been a minute since Indiana has had a running back that I'm like, wow, that guy can carry the rock. I mean Tevin Coleman. Yeah, I mean, I the the on and off again story of Samson James there didn't necessarily work out and mm-hmm. you know I I can't name a lot of Indiana backs, but I, I don't think that this is going to – it's certainly not going to be a game where Ohio State's going to come out in 4-3. They're, 
They're not, they're not going to need to do that. So you're not going to have an extra linebacker out there. And we know that that extra linebacker is probably Cody Simon in those types of situations anyway. So, um, well, and the four, three for Ohio state is Sonny styles as the right. nickel, basically, you know, their four, two, five is a four, three, anytime they want it to be with him out there. Uh, Stephen Cherry, are we looking at dual quarterback system prior to the Notre Dame game? We've certainly asked Ryan day about this and, you know, I think people look at what Jim Harbaugh did last year with McNamara and McCarthy, and this is your game, and this is your game, you know, and you're playing against, you know, these 11 guys who appeared on bum fights, and you're playing against these 11 guys who played on real world. I mean, you know, it was not, you know, neither of them were necessarily huge challenges, but I think I think that you need to make sure that both guys have some experience, but I don't think you're going to do something of where you don't have any continuity of where you're playing both quarterbacks straight up. I, I just I if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. I mean, it's kind of been the thing, and I just I don't I don't see it unless I've been misinterpreting everything I've heard. Ryan Day just wants somebody to distance himself from the other guy and that's when he'll know who the starter is i think um if you were beginning the season with youngstown state and western western kentucky maybe then you do the cade mcnamara jj mccarthy thing but you can't it, it wouldn't be fair to say um i'm going to determine who the starter is based on how well you perform in these first two games kyle you are playing at indiana Devin, you get to play against Youngstown State. And whoever has the best numbers, that will be the starter. And, you know, obviously Devin Brown would have the advantage there. I think it, you, you go into the Indiana game, as we know, Kevin, having done this a long time, it's a road game in the Big Ten, and games are hard to win. So the, the only focus is on winning the game and whatever that takes to win. I don't think you're concerned about, well, we need to see what Devin Brown looks like in this game, or we need to see what Kyle McCord's looking like in this game. They need to get first downs. And if one guy isn't doing it and you're still not sure who the quarterback is, then you bring in the other guy. And then we know that, well, we want to see snaps in games. Practice is great, but what you really know is what you find out in games. So if they are close and one guy isn't doing it, then that's what the other guy is for. You got two five-star guys. Go see which one is the better one. And the best way to determine that, if you can't do it in practice, you have to d determine it in a game. And on the road in the Big Ten, I think is a pretty pretty good way to find out. Yeah, and it's not like you can sit there and say, all right, well, we'll, we'll split you guys in game one, and then we'll play one of you in two and one of you in three. And then what happens if two beats out three and then it's not played the whole game? It's like, oh, by mm -hmm. the way, you got to go to South Bend now and go play – Go play Notre Dame, and while I can sit there and say why well, I don't think their offense is going to be all that good, I can certainly say that I think their defense is going to be pretty good. So that's not the case of you don't want to be in that situation. And you know, I think I again, I think it's important for Ohio State to make sure that everybody, you know, and by everybody I mean the two quarterbacks get some opportunities out there, just because you're dealing with a guy who has one one collegiate start, and you're dealing with a guy who has like really no collegiate experience whatsoever, at least in running a first team offense for, for, for his team. So um, you need to make sure that whoever it is that emerges coming out of fall camp gets a chance to build that chemistry, because that's the, 
that's the the million dollar you know situation you get into. Why do you play your quarterback so long? Well, we want our quarterback to have an opportunity to play football. Uh, you know, so if you take him off after a half, I mean, he's he's not getting all of that opportunity. But on the flip side, if you're not playing your other guy, I mean, either, you know, either if he has to get inserted into the lineup, he has next to no experience or you're back in this position again next year because of, you know, loading up one quarterback. Well, and it goes into what Jason Warner says in both games, each of them should get a half easy. The thing is, though, you also you're breaking in a new starter. You want your starter to get as many snaps and as much experience as possible in those first three games so that when they hit South Bend, they are no longer a new starter. They are an established starter in college football. They are the Buckeye leader on the field as the starting quarterback. So if he gets to that point, he's only played in, you know, four halves of football. That's not enough. You want him to be in, in as many, you want him to play as much as possible. And yeah, you're going to have two blowouts against likely Youngstown state and Western Kentucky. And I don't think the starter needs to play the fourth quarter against Western Kentucky or Youngstown State, maybe Western Kentucky, we'll see. But I think they, whoever the starter is, needs to play more than half in, in every single game leading up to that because they need as much experience as possible, even if it's against FCS guys. They they need they need that experience. Are you going to feel really good about your starting quarterback going into Notre Dame if he has 45 attempts in the first three games? <laughs> I mean, I, no. I mean, no. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's certainly – you can make an argument from both sides. That's why, you know, these coaches, you know, make all the money they do and everything else. You know, one of my favorite finishing moves right there from Mozart's Ghost, Sweet Chin Music. Um, but I'm of, of the mindset that you want to make sure that you are, you're putting yourself in a position to where you win the games. If you sit there and you're playing for November in September, it could all be unraveled. By, by before November, it could all be unraveled in October. So you have to, you know, you have to kind of figure all of that out. But um, you know, good good question there. Um, one of the other start questions we'd already touched upon. So the 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 cue is clear, more or less. I mean, we're just getting some, uh, you know, some some wrestling finishing moves and things like that. But uh, but yeah, I'm going to start doing my research on Indiana here in the next next week or something. I may actually start uh, writing up tale of the tape which if you're not a member of Buckeye Huddle, it is the longest piece that I write during the course of the season where I go through all the ins and outs of the game and give you a, you know, maybe not a prediction as much, but just kind of a landscape of what's going on. And it's exclusive for members of Buckeye Huddle. So if you're not a member, sign up for Buckeye Huddle today. Absolutely. And Mick Ahana, Taven Jackson is going to be a good quarterback for Indy, uh, for Indiana. He was uh, the quarterback for Cedar Grove, which is where uh, – Caden Curry played, so we got to see him once back in 2020, and he went to he went to Tennessee and then transferred to Indiana. So I'm interested to see how he does. Jordan Kapler asks, uh, whoever gets the backup quarterback role, do you think they'll keep pressing with them instead of student body left and student body right? I I am with you. You've got to let the backup quarterback run the offense when they're in there, and especially uh, the Western Kentucky and Youngstown State games. They're by games. You have paid those two programs to come to your school to be uh, beaten. And so you can't beat them for three quarters and then, you know, then tend to their wounds. 
you've paid for an entire beating. Go ahead and continue to beat them. Knock, knock, knock. Who's there? Hired goons. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so that that's that's my view on that. Um, are we wrapping up, Kevin? Is that is I that think, what, what you're telling so. me? I mean, unless unless somebody super chats us before we can before we can decelerate out of here, we've gone almost an hour forty five here on this impromptu ish uh, nighttime show, which you know we don't necessarily do a lot of nighttime shows. So I want to thank everybody who mm-hmm. has jumped on board. I've seen a lot of our daytime show regulars here, so that's fantastic, and and a, and a few new names, so that's all good. Uh, gonna have to check out this legacy zach who thinks that gerd is still the goat i'm not so sure about that one but this is your well, show not mine so i probably shouldn't let's talk I right frequently now. it's my burner don't worry okay just making sure it still posts so uh that yeah that will do it thank you all so much for the super chats thank you guys for tuning in on a random uh is this thursday thursday night plenty of stuff to talk about thank you for the questions and thank you for tuning in as always find us at buckeyehuddle.com if you're not yet a member, become a member. We were on there all day during practice, after practice, talking about that. Uh, Alex Gleitman with some updates and some information on KJ Bold and plenty of stuff going on. You can, of course, find us here at YouTube.com. Go ahead and like the video if you haven't yet. Uh, we would appreciate that. And go ahead and subscribe and hit the, the likes and the thumbs up. And also uh, Facebook.com slash Buckeye Huddle as well. You can find us there also. Thank you all. So thank you all for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later.